All right, Kevin Barker. So how do we look at how do we look at this uh, this weekend against the Baltimore Orioles, taking two of three in a perfect position to sweep the Orioles? I think we could say that they have probably stuck a fork in the Orioles' postseason chances. We talked about the importance of making those final three games in Baltimore meaningless, uh, at least as as far as the Orioles' ability to sneak into the playoffs are concerned. Uh, the Yankees are winning right now. I think you know, I started today thinking, hey, the Jays, not out of the question that they can take a shot at the American League East. Uh, the Yankees are far from the juggernaut that uh, – they were earlier in the year. Then Jordan Romano, normally reliable, gives up three runs in the ninth inning. The Jays make a an attempt, and uh, the game ends with uh, Bo Bichette hitting into a game-ending grounder. Jays lose 5-4 to the Orioles. Put that weekend in perspective for me. Yeah, I think that's exactly what, uh, if you're the Jays, you're a Jays fan. Going into the weekend, you wanted to win the series. That's exactly what they did. They got some big hits when they needed them. They got some big outs when they needed them. Uh, They caught the ball the way they were supposed to. They ran the bases. Today it just didn't work out. For me, Jordan Romano, you know, again, it gets back to the slider. He loves it. Like, it's, it's sometimes it's going to be really good. Sometimes it's going to look like it did today. The only one for me that I just don't really understand is Stovers. you got a pinch hitter uh, leading off the ninth inning, you're up a run. Now, I understand. You love the slider. And if it's a good one, he probably gets him out. But an 0 slider, it's 88 miles an hour when you're throwing 97. Now, the velocity was down today. It was mm-hmm. more than We saw 95s. We saw 97s. Normally, that thing's sitting, you know, it's cruise control at 99. And today, we just didn't see that. So, maybe that's why you saw a few more sliders. But I just don't like that leading off guy sitting over there for three and a half hours. You flip him a little, get me over 88. That's good hitting. Like, I could hit that, Jeff. You know, don't give him a chance throw your little 97 if that's what you got away maybe elevated if he hits one over there then you tip your hat to him but that's the only one for me but again it just gets back to you know Jordan Romano it's very hard to ever say anything bad about him because he's been great just so happens today the slider wasn't you know breaking the way he would like it to break it was a little bit more loopy loopy means out of the hand you could tell it's a slider like it's leaving looking like it's breaking right away instead of looking like fastball and then having that late yeah that late little giddy up to it that normally the slider has but it's one of those days for me i told you on friday win the series don't worry about sweeping you know you pitch really well your bullpen's been great have the big inning which is what they did the first two games uh, today just didn't work out for you 416-870-0590, star 591-888-666-0590-590 via the text line. The Jays taking two of three from the Baltimore Orioles, losing a bid to sweep them. Uh, Jordan Romano blowing a save in the ninth inning. And lots, I think, Kevin, when you look at the series in general, a lot to really like. You know, we talked about the bullpen. Uh, winning a bullpen game yesterday, which, or I'm sorry, on Friday, which, you know, was, is always a concern. Sure. Um, you get uh, an, an okay start from Jose Barrios. You he know, did I, enough. I, he did enough, and yeah. and his team backed him with some superb defense. And then Alec Manoa today. Uh, he did enough. You know, he did enough. He had, <laughs> that's he, it. That's, that's well, it. that's it. And, and uh, you know, one thing about Alec Manoa and uh, Buck pointed this out in the telecast. That one inning when he when he when he gets some runs and he comes out and goes through a nine pitch inning. I mean, you 
you you really do get the sense every time you watch Alec Manoa pitch. You you really do get the sense why this team loves playing behind him. Yep. Well, lefties were two for eleven off him. He faced twenty six batters in six innings. It was a grind. It, the the two seam command wasn't great. Now he tried to make an adjustment early in the game by having the changeup sink or run. I mean, you could call that more of a mm-hmm. run than a sink uh, on his changeup. It was you know his sinkers about ninety two. His his changeups about eighty six. So that's the adjustment he tried to make early. Some of those were non competitive. They left a hand. You could tell he was spinning off. He had a little bit of that glove pull to first base. He knows it when he when he. He's doing it. He knows it. He'll spin off. He'll walk around the mound. He'll turn his back to the catcher like he's trying to gather himself and tell him not to do that. Like, finish it. Get it out front. Snap it off. Don't do it again, but I'm with you, man. Whenever he needs a big pitch, right, the first inning he needed one, the third inning he needed one, the fourth inning he needed one, just to control it and not let it get out of hand, for whatever reason, he he's able to do it. And it's just I don't know what else we could say about him, Jeff. I, you know, is he a finished product? I don't think so. You know, again, if he could add a little bit better changeup and he could control the two-seamer a little bit more the way he leaves the four-seamer to when he needs it, right? We didn't see the 96 mm-hmm. in the first inning, the second nope. inning, the third inning. We saw it when he needed it the most, like the fifth, sixth inning. Like you could tell he's towards the end of it, and he knew it, and he was trying to get through it to give his team a chance to win, and that's when you saw the extra gear. But, man, and I guess right now, Jeff, you could say he's elite. Can we can we both agree on that? Oh, without question. There you go. Absolutely, without 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 question. Uh, Danny Jansen and Vladdy Jr. with home runs today. Do you like Vladdy's home run? I know you're yeah. a bit you're a big fan of the one one handed finish. I do. Well, you know what the one-handed finish tells you? That he keeps the front side in and the barrels in the hitting zone a long time. A lot of the times you see the alligator arm where the front side or the front shoulder's pulling off, the the barrel's not staying in the hitting zone very long, and that's why you get the little hand turn to where he's rolling over the baseball because he hits the top of the ball a lot, and that's why he hit the ball to the third base, the shortstop. And when you stay through it, even though you're one-handing it because you have as much torque and as much rotation as he does and the raw ability to hit baseballs further than most humans can, that's sort of what happens. And Yeah, Danny Jansen, look, Danny Jansen for me has got one approach. Try and get it, catch it out front, keep it up the middle to the pull side, create damage. And if you do that once every four games you play, You'll take that, you know, every day and twice on Sunday. And I got to be honest with you, the Alec Manoa, Danny Jansen thing looked like they've been doing that all year. I mean, that's a credit to Danny Jansen for pushing the right button, keeping the flow. Because, again, this gets back to he didn't have his good stuff. When you don't have your good stuff, you got to be a little bit better on the same page. Seemed like they were. That uh, was one of the storylines coming out of today, the fact that it was Danny Jansen catching Alec Manoa instead of Alejandro Kirk. Alejandro Kirk given a couple of days off with a what we're led to believe is a minor hip tightness and it made sense i think given the fact that tomorrow's an off day that you 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 sit you you sit alejandro kirk even though it's alec Manoa on the mound but you know that that's something that i think if you're john schneider and pete walker you're looking at things now maybe a little differently you know i, I know buck made this point as well you're going to keep an eye in the standings Right now, Alec Manoa's lined up to pitch that game in Baltimore. If that game doesn't mean anything, how do you play this? Do you maybe adjust things so you give Alec Manoa a start against the Yankees? Again, I think the standings might determine that. Or do you just kind of say, hey, this is a blessing. Let's just let him, let him rest. You know, let, let's 
pushing back a couple of days or however it's going to work out. But you know now at least, because I think it has to be a concern. No one's criticizing Danny Jansen, but it has to be a concern when the guy's having the type of year Alec Manoa's having with one catcher largely. Now you put another guy in there. At least Pete Walker and John Schneider know now that the flow to the game, the tempo, the rhythm, which is so important for for for, for Alec Manoa, that you know that need to be in the same page. At least they know now that they can pair these two up, and maybe that means Alejandro Kirk can DH in that particular day. Because again, George Springer's health is always going to be a concern. So yeah. uh, it, that opens some options, I think, for the Jays. Yeah, I just think you look at pitcher uh, catcher relationship. It's when that big moment arises, they need a big pitch. How does it look? Like, is it they're shaking off? They can't get on the same page. He's stepping off the mound. None of that happened, right? He was in basically trouble the entire game. Now, what did he have? He had two three up and three down innings but for the most part it was trouble and when you're in trouble you need that catcher to sort of push it and give you that let's go right here because you can see it arm side wasn't great it just seems like you know they didn't miss a beat with Danny and if Danny's hitting it would be kind of nice to have him behind the plate too Jay in North York you want to talk about Jordan Romano hey guys thanks for taking the call you stole a little bit of my thunder but yeah I've been watching you know I watch every Jays game and I would say he throws a slider three times or four times, or at least three out of the four pitches, almost exclusively. And I don't think Romano is as good as he is this year, but he's proven me wrong. So kudos to him for just doing a great job. But let me tell you something. When the playoffs come and Romano's going to be coming out there, um, you know to sit on that slider. And I know it's a good pitch, but when you know 87-88 is coming and he's throwing that as a first pitch the vast majority of the time, it's a lot easier to hit. And, Kevin, I know you could comment on that. As great as the pitch it is, if you're going to sit on it, you're going to have a greater chance of hitting it. And it gives me a little bit of concern in the playoffs uh, when, uh, you know, you're going to be facing some, some good hitters like they did tonight at the bottom of the ninth. Yeah, Jay, thanks for the call. Listen, September 12th, uh, the Jays beat Tampa Bay 3-2. Uh, Jordan Romano got the save. Eight consecutive sliders to Manuel Margot and Jonathan, I think Jonathan Aranda. Uh, two fastballs and a slider to Francisco Mejia and recorded the save. But among and with the eight consecutive sliders, a, a strikeout was included in there. And, Kevin, we talked about it on that particular day. Could that approach work in the postseason? And I think this is what, this is what Jordan Romano is, and I, I'm kind of mm-hmm. with you. I, I'm kind of with you in that, he is going to roll. He loves the slider. Loves it. He loves the slider. Mm-hmm. But today, I would like to have seen. I, I like my first pitch of a save opportunity to be a well-located fastball. Yeah, the well-located fastball is a great pitch. I get that. That kind of bothered me a little bit. But it's worked for him before, right? Again, against the Rays, his first eight sure. first eight pitches of that save were sliders. So it's not like this is out of out of character for him. Yeah, look, he's thrown it because it's worked. Uh, that, that's why he's thrown it as much as he's thrown it. Uh, I would just like to see again. I, I was one of those guys that tried to sit over there for three and a half hours and come off the bench, and I don't want to say guess, but I'm I'm hunting a window, and a window could probably be middle away and up with a hanging slider because, you know, occasionally he's not going to give you Jeff his nasty one. Oh, whoa. He's going to give you that little backdoor one or maybe that little cement mixing one just to get ahead so he can elevate the heater and maybe attack in. I would just like to see – Occasionally, when the situation arises, and you know exactly what i just been talking about, you've been sitting over there. Give him your mm-hmm. good heater, middle way, maybe a little elevated. He gets a hit, tip your hat to him, and then start using the slider. 
But it's very hard to come on this show, our show, and say anything about Jordan Romano that's bad. Like, everything he's been doing, I mean, he's just been living in a tree. Like, it's just, he's throwing it and it's working. So, just so happens today that he caught too much of the plate, the velocity was down, the slider was loopy. When all of those three things come together and you're facing a decent team, most of the time you lose those games. Now, I do have to say this too, Kevin. I I get the sense that, Adley Rutschman is going to be he's going to be breaking a lot of hearts in Toronto in the next few seasons isn't he yeah I think so well again you can't throw the ball down the middle you know he he took one bad swing what good hitters do they they try not to have a couple of bad swings in a row you saw him he he throws the little get me over slider which wasn't a good pitch I mean he got away with one Mm -hmm. he you know I think he lost his bottom hand or his top hand there and then his next pitch what's he do he shortens up and keeps both hands on the bat like, that is big league stuff. It sounds simple, looks simple. Mm-hmm. Why can't everybody do that? But a dude that knows, throws hard, loves his slider. I just took a one-handed swing because I, it was tough for me for whatever reason to keep both hands on. So what do I do? I shorten up. I stay inside the ball. I try to go to left field. I do it with two hands on the bat. Yeah, he's going to be a pain in the butt. But I will say you got to make him a little uncomfortable occasionally. I'm not sure Jordan Romano can do that just because of the pitcher that he is. But when a dude looks as comfortable as he does occasionally, it's okay to move his feet a little bit and try and get away with certain pitches after you do that. But, yeah, I'm with you. He's exactly what the doctor ordered when you're coming to the Orioles. And if you're an Orioles fan, you got that to look forward to the next 15 years. Yeah, between him and uh, between him and Gunnar Henderson and, you know, Stowers is another highly, highly talented Gunner, guy. You see Gunnar flipping the bat on a walk, too. Like, they got a little attitude, which yes, is do. sort of different for the Orioles. Yeah. Right? No, it, it it's they're, – they've got a lot going on, and that is – yeah, that is, you know, uh, look, it's a it's a great market. I mean, I know what Jays fans think of the Orioles going back to, to, you know, to all the, the run-ins they've had with the Orioles. But it's a great market and they are a fun team. They really are a fun team. And, and they've got some pitching in that organization that uh, will come up at some time too. John Schneider was asked uh, about Jordan Romano's outing following the game. This is what the Blue Jays manager had to say. Yeah, he's been so good the whole year. Um, I think his slider was a little bit flat. I think they were sitting on it. Got to give them credit for getting a couple knocks and working some walks. Really close play, 3-2. Surprised they ran there with the amount of people Jordy strikes out. Uh, worked out for him. And uh, you got to just tip your cap a little bit to some good hitting from them. Yeah, that's uh, it. And I'm glad John alluded to that. Of course, he's talking about the hit and run that uh, the Orioles put on. It was It was interesting because... Watching yesterday's game, the Orioles did a couple of things. I, I'm never going to criticize. Look, I'm not going to criticize Brandon Hyde for being overly aggressive. I'm not. Look, look at what he's done with that team. But mm-hmm. they did a couple of things, giving Gunnar Henderson the green light in a three zero. I mean, it, it, let's just say that that Brandon Hyde he 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 pushed the envelope a little bit here. But that was a that was a genius call. I mean, the hit and run brings, I mean, it sucks Santiago Espinal out of position and that sets up that inning. Yeah. For me, it's not a hit and run. That's a run and hit. I mean, a run and hit. Pardon me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. because it's a three-two count, you're trying to put the runner in motion. What do you got to lose? Like it's this is do or die for you. Like this is must win. You're trying to put pressure on a really good closer who's having a really good year and a defense to make a play. I mean, that's what you do late in games. You, you push it a little bit and yeah, I, I mean that's I, you got to love listening to John talk. I mean he never throws his player under the bus. It's always about the guy on the other side may have had a better approach. For me, I just think it's sequencing and it's location. 
and it's the slider. Sometimes he abuses it, and when you abuse it, occasionally you just don't have the snap at the end of it that you want to have it, and it's floppy, and when it's floppy, that's good hit. Jennifer in Toronto, you're on Blue Jays Talk. Oh, hi, gentlemen. Um, good good game by Manoa. It was a, a lot of traffic, like the Barrios game, but he gutted it out, and it was good to see velocity at the end. I have two things. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I know Simber's stats aren't horrific, but, man, you know he's always going to give up contact. And uh, I would have liked to see Merriweather in there and, and, and see what he could have done, especially that part of the order. Um, and I hated, hated the shifting, especially with Rauschman. I mean, he's a switch hitter. He goes everywhere. And I think the, the shift twice were quite costly. And the infield shift, not the outfield shift. So that's mm-hmm. my uh, those are my comments. Jennifer, thanks for the call. Mr. Barker, I'll flip yeah, that over to you. Yeah, yeah the, the Julian Merriweather. <laughs> look, I, I'm not exactly sure that I'd run him out there. What was that, the eighth inning facing? Yeah, I, th- I don't three, four, really five. want to that's, see what he can well, do that's at two, this point. That's two lefties and a righty. I'm not sure the slider's going to work, the velocity, the location. And Adam Simber's been doing a, a good job. He's been good against lefties, that little invisible up fastball that he throws he relies a lot on trickery uh, when the trickery ain't tricking and it's down the middle <laughs> big league hitters make you pay for it and that's sort of what comes with adam simber it's it's you know it's nothing i don't think a knock on him it's just when other guys are not available and that's who you have to go to i don't want to say he has to be perfect but the adding and subtracting of his two pitches have to be really really good and when it's not it's down the middle it's good hitting yeah, I think uh, Ruben in, in Alberta in the text line uh, as well was wondering about the infield shifting uh, in the ninth inning. Uh, you know, look, we can have a discussion about about shifting. That's something the Jays. That's something the Jays have done all year. They're you know they're they're one of the proponents of that, and that's not going to change. And I, by and large, they do it because it works. <laughs> that's the only way I could, the only yeah. way I could put it. They're not they're not pulling this out of their ass. They're doing it because they have numbers. The Adley Rushman was that it works. Jeff was really, really good hitting. I mean, that was a heater middle in, and I don't know yes. what the mile per hour was, but that was one of his better velocities. And again, it's just a really good hitter making an adjustment from a pitch to pitch, not from an at bat to an at bat, from a pitch to pitch, and just stayed inside of baseball and hit it where they ain't. And I'm with you. They do it because it works most of the time. Time it's right. not going to work all of the time, but they'll take their chances eight out of ten. Right. Yep. 416-870-0590, star 590, 1-888-666-0590, via text. The Blue Jays losing 5-4 to the Baltimore Orioles. The Orioles scoring three runs in the ninth inning. And uh, Felix Bautista holding serve, I guess if you want to call it that, in the ninth inning, the bottom of the ninth as well, uh, retiring Bo Bichette with a couple of men on base after the Jays had uh, George Springer had uh, doubled in the uh, eight, the fourth run for the Blue Jays. Lots of folks in the text line, Kevin, talking about Jordan Romano and the over-reliance on the slider, something I think we'll deal with a little more tomorrow on Blair and Barker. Uh, Chris in Vancouver, though, and I'm glad Chris brought this out. He wants to talk to you about Vladdy's at-bats and what you're seeing from Vladdy at the plate. Now, we've talked about how and you, you've told me this. Don't even bother looking at winning the East. If Vladdy doesn't, if Vladdy doesn't get hot, I, I mean, 
basically Tay just Tay Oscar too, but yeah. just kind of be happy you're in the playoffs at that point. Are you seeing anything from Vladdy, or have you seen anything from Vladdy in recent games? Because I know he's on a hitting streak, but they're hitting streaks and they're hitting streaks, right? Are you seeing anything from Vladdy in recent games that 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 gives you a thought that perhaps he's about to go off a little bit? Yeah, look, I I think sometimes you look at him and you're he you see him take a swing like he took that he hit the home run on where he kept the front side and he stayed through a baseball. He created backspin. The ball were, went where he wanted it to go, and then you see him chase a a two seamer that's four or five inches in off the plate, uh, spins on it, doesn't keep the front side in, rolls over to third base, and and it's sort of hard to figure out what he is, right? And I just think sometimes he needs to, every at-bat, walk back and, and ask himself, why did I swing at that? What was the reasoning behind my approach at the plate? And that, for me, will make him a little bit more consistent. I I don't know if you see, you're going to see him take off and, and go four for four with three homers. I'm not real sure you're gonna, you can see that. But I do think this is a confidence builder kind of thing, right, where he knows now what it feels like to take a good swing. I mean, he's having a good year. He's just not having the Vladdy year that we all thought he should be having, which is an MVP season. I just think it's those at-bats where it's a little away off the plate and down, it's a little in off the plate, and he either takes a swing to try and hit the ball down and away, he takes tries to take a swing that he can get barrel to in off the plate. When you can't do both, you got to pick one or the other, and I just think it's this part of the season, Vladdy is what Vladdy is, and hopefully he gets more of those ones that we saw today than the other ones that I've been talking about. Yeah, it's interesting when you look around this Blue Jays lineup right now. And, you know, you see contributions from my Maltapia. And you see Matt Chapman hitting a couple of home runs. And you see Danny Jansen hitting a home run and being very consistent. And you see Bo. I think Bo's reached base now in all 17 games uh, in, 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 in September, uh, 18 games in September. When you see that and, and you see all that stuff happening around Tay Oscar and Vladdy, it really does remind you of where this team could go if those two guys can get hot. No kidding. Okay, well, we talked about – you talked about those guys, Tapia. Is there expectations for him to hit homers or get big hits? No. I mean, he is – what he gives you offensively, that's great. Get on and run around the bases like your hair's on fire. Chapman's sort of the same way. You know, he's hit or miss, right? Sometimes he doesn't like the ball up. Sometimes he doesn't like the breaking ball. It's – sort of pick your poison kind of thing. I just think there's so much expectations on Teoscar and Blatty to go out and go four for four or three homers every single day. We've had conversations with guys about people like Juan Soto. Well, why is it fair for us to talk about Juan Soto that way and put all these expectations on these couple of guys and just understand that hitting a baseball is very hard. And when there's a book on you to the way to get you out – a lot of the times it's very hard this time of the season when you're tired and, you know, you're just trying so hard to get it going to help your team that's sometimes just not realistic. And I just think it's take what you got. I said this, and I'll continue to say it. This team's going to go as far as their pitching's going to take them. You have a big inning. You pitch your, your tail off. You play good enough defense. You run the bases the way you're supposed to, and you hope occasionally that somebody runs into one in the third inning and they can win 4-2. to two. I just think, for me, that's the way they're going to win some baseball games down the stretch. 416-870-0590, star 590, 888-666-0590, 590-590 via the text line. We're on for another half hour. It's Jeff Blair and Kevin Barker. This is Blue Jays Talk on Sportsnet 590, The Fan.
entire series was awesome. I thought we played great. Um, I think it speaks volumes to what we did in the ninth inning against a really good uh, reliever. And, you know, it just shows the mentality of this team. You know, I think uh, defense was good again, and um, at-bats were good up and down. It's a, it's a tight game. And, uh, you know, the fact that we got something going with two outs and a walk uh, says a lot. And, um, you know, proud of the way we played overall the homestand, and uh, especially this series. It's John Schneider, the manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, after a 5-4 loss to the Baltimore Orioles at the Rogers Center today. And, um, yeah, Kevin, again, on balance, this homestand was a, was a good homestand for the, for the Blue Jays. No question. It, it would be, you know, a sweep of the Orioles would have been nice, but it is. And I know people think it's a cliche, but it is true. It's difficult to sweep a team. It is. It's difficult to sweep a team in, in, in the major leagues in a three-game series. It, it just is. And uh, a, a reminder, you know, a, a reminder of, of why the Orioles are where they are right now because they get decent pitching when they need it. And their young guys, their young guys have come through. I think, to me, more than anything else, today reminded us, reminded us of that. They're scrappy and they believe, Jeff. That's half the battle. Yeah, and they're also playing with absolutely not a drop, not an inch of pressure on them. We we talk about Vladdy all the time. We talk about Teoscar all the time. We talk about George Springer all the time. We talk about Bobby Shed all the time. You talk about any Oriole that way? Absolutely no. not. Although as I said, next year we may <clears throat> Yeah. Well next that year's may next change. year. Yeah. Yes it is. And now the Bet three six five standings update. With Bet three six five you can bet in things like player props, totals or the money line across many different sports, nineteen plus play responsibly Ontario only. There are currently two games going on of consequence for the Toronto Blue Jays. In the top of the ninth, the Yankees are leading the Milwaukee Brewers 10-6. Aaron Judge with another home run. In the fifth inning, the Los Angeles Angels are up 3-1 over Seattle and the Tampa Bay Rays. They beat the Texas Rangers 5-3 earlier today, which means if we look at the Eastern standings, the Yankees are 87-58. and about to go to 88 and 58. The Jays are 83 and 64. Right now, five back. Tampa Bay's five and a half back at 82 and 64. Baltimore, 76 and 69. They're 11 back. That is in the American League East. If you want to look at the wild card races, Toronto is a game and a half up. First place in the wild card race. Tampa Bay is a game back. Seattle holds down the final wild card spot. Seattle, Toronto, and Tampa all with 64 losses. The Baltimore Orioles, four and a half back. They are 68 and 69, five back on the loss column of Toronto, Tampa Bay, and Seattle. Chris and Oshawa, I'm glad you want to talk about George Springer because it's going to allow me to ask a question of Kevin Barker. So go ahead. I just want to show some appreciation for George. Um, I mean, when he was in Houston, you know, we didn't see him. Uh, play that much here in Toronto, but you know they they gave him 150 million dollars, and when he's you know when he's healthy, when he's playing, you see why. Because I mean, to me, he's a star player, and right now the game's on the line. Who do I want up? George Springer. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at today, he hurt his other elbow in the game, comes up uh, at the bottom of the ninth, and he almost first of all he almost hit a home run, but he hit a double, you know, and it's just. Big moments. He seems to ride to the occasion. You know, the the leaping plays in the outfield. He seems to always catch the ball. 
you see him in the dugout, he's always just happy. You know, he just, you know, I don't think Vladdy and Bo are star players yet, but this guy, I think, I mean, half the season his elbow is injured. He's just a star player, and it's awesome to watch him play. And I just wanted to, I just wanted to yeah. say that. So I'll just hang up and listen to your call. Great call. No, it's a great call, Chris. Thanks for those thoughts. Ten of his home runs, by the way, have given the Jays have been go-ahead home runs for the Toronto Blue Jays. So, Kevin, here's the thing about George Springer. We talk about how George Springer is often hurt. Mm-hmm. And if, indeed, if you look at his, if you go back over the past couple of years, you know, it is. It's like a, you, you could be a, a medical student could has spent the last two years with George Springer, and you'd probably learn enough that you can get a degree out of it. Having said that, though, maybe we also need to talk about his ability to play hurt because it's pretty clear that that right elbow, it's pretty clear it's something serious. You know, we have, we've had people tell us they think you're going to need surgery in the offseason on it, whatever it is. Yet he does manage. Today's a perfect example. He gets hit on the other elbow. He, he, he dives in at home plate, gets up, and we all saw the wincing when he get, got up after sliding into home plate. And then he doubles off the wall. I, 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 I don't think that the elbow necessarily felt better in the ninth inning than it did in the fifth or sixth inning. I, and, and maybe we need to start, in, instead of talking about him being hurt, celebrate the fact that this guy in September is coming through. And, and Bark, you made the point. That's why he's here. He's not here for what he does in April or May or June or July. He's here for what he can do in August and September and hopefully in October. Yeah, I'm not going to be the guy that, that talks about how hurt he is or, or how he feels because I have no idea. I mean, I see him grimacing just like everybody else, and, and when he takes a check swing, it seems to hurt worse than when he actually takes a big daddy hack. He takes a lot of big daddy hacks. That's what I like about him. Like, he knows who he is. He knows if he swings at a certain pitch, he can get barrel to it because he has some of the strongest hands in baseball. It's that little last buggy whip that he's got where he can be off balance with his lower half and still have enough to keep it back and just use those strong hands to get barrel that little buggy whip through the baseball and the ball goes with backspin to a lot of different places in the ballpark and he is one of the most mentally strong people that you'll know because of the moment again i'm not talking about the physical Mm -hmm, part of it mm because i have no idea i don't think a lot of people know so i'm not going to comment on that but i just know that when i'm with the caller if you needed one bat at bat to save your life in this lineup, if you're picking one guy, for me, it's a no-brainer. It's not even – there's not even a close second. It's the same guy, no matter if he's this George Springer or a 115% healthy hmm. George Springer. It just seems like his mental fortitude of where he wants to do and what he's trying to do and the situation, all the at-bats seem to look the same. No matter what the scoreboards tell him, he needs to try and do when he walks to the plate. And for me, that's elite. That's an art. That's something you can't teach. That's just something you have. And he has it better than most human beings do. Explain to me how a guy can have that type of an elbow injury and still generate that type of power. Like from, from a hitter's point of view, how do you... Is he doing something? I guess we could ask him. Would he be doing something to compensate for it? How do you go about managing that? If you are a hitter, 
I would think you try not to take check swings. It just seems to me like whenever he check swings, that seems to be when it hurts the worst. Like it's hard to keep the barrel and the and the force from what he's trying to generate from his lower half to get some bat speed to catch up to velocity. And then it, he notices that's a breaking ball because he's hunting fastball and he has to check swing. So I, I'm guessing he just tries not to do that a ton. I, again, I've never been through anything like that. I just can tell you that what he does from the ground up and what he can make up for because he has really strong hands when he doesn't do with his lower half what he's trying to do with it, which is keep balanced and have good hip rotation and and be able to just throw everything that he can throw from his backside to the baseball to have maximum collision with that baseball. He can make up for the strong hands. He's elite, and I want him on my team no matter what uh, percentage of health he is. 416-870-0590, star 590. It is Blue Jays Talk with Jeff Blair and Kevin Barker. We are here to the top of the hour. The Jays losing 5-4 to the Baltimore Orioles. They will have tomorrow off and start a two-game series in Philadelphia against the Phillies, off to Tampa, and then they're back home for the final homestand of the season and then well then we await to see then we await to see how the postseason lines up this much is clear uh you never want to eliminate anybody but or or mentally eliminate anybody but the jays i think by taking two of three from baltimore and with what they did earlier in baltimore have pretty much eliminated the orioles from the postseason picture Still to be decided is who gets home field advantage for the wild card series and by extension, who will have to travel to uh, to play the winner of the Central Division, whomever that that turns out to be. Kevin, based on what you have seen this weekend, or I should say what we saw this weekend, we believe now that Lourdes Goriel Jr. will likely be back at some point. Um, certainly the indications are that we could see him uh, during this road trip. If you're John Schneider, how do you go? What do you do with this order? What do you do with the lineup when Lourdes comes back? So Let's say you've got both Lourdes and Kirk healthy. Uh, Lourdes would hit somewhere in the seventh or eighth hole. Kirky would hit cleanup. Chapman would hit sixth. So you got Chapman in the sixth hole. You got Teoscar in the five hole. You'd have Kirky in the cleanup spot. You'd have Lourdes anywhere down there, seventh, eighth, ninth. All of a sudden, now my lineup's so long and so hard to pitch to that basically, if you have Kirky in the cleanup spot and say Lourdes in the eight hole, that's two different cleanup hitters, right? You're trying to roll mm-hmm. it around where if Kirky cleans up the first three, now I got Lourdes clean up the next three. That's what you're trying to add length to your lineup, even though they're right handed. They can hit good pitching, they can hit velocity. So for me, I mean, it's not an easy or it's not a hard change. I just think it's Chappie's done a really good job of moving into the cleanup spot. You saw he got a couple of hits, and he looks like he's trying to use a little bit more mentally of the whole field. He ain't going to do that because he's a pointer, but he's at mm-hmm. least thinking it. That keeps a barrel in. He looks to me like he's not guessing as much, which you can see sometimes that Vladdy guesses, Bo guesses, Springer guesses, Kirky guesses a lot, Teoscar guesses. Like there are a lot of guessers on this team. Chappie doesn't seem like he's guessing right now and I think it makes it easier to move these guys around because they bought into whatever John John is selling he must be singing it like ain't nobody singing it before because if they ask a guy to go from the cleanup spot to the eight hole okay no problem whatever it takes to help the team 
If you could talk to Teoscar Hernandez, you could sit him down and talk to him, what would you tell him? Uh, sit heater all the time, no matter if there's two strikes or not. Always sit fastball. Never look breaking ball. And think up the middle. If you think up the middle, you get it ready to hit. You look heater all the time for a strike because you have bat-to-ball skills. You have length to your swing. You have more power than any human on this team. For me, anyway, I've seen him go right center in the flight deck in batting practice. There ain't too many humans can do that. Simplify it. Don't overthink it. Don't try to do things that you're not capable of doing. Walk to the plate. Get a fastball middle away, a little thigh high from the first pitch to the last pitch. Do that four times a game and let the cards fall where they may. I want to look back a little bit at Saturday's game, Kevin, because we didn't have a chance to. And uh, we just touched touched briefly on Jose Brio. Seven hits, two walks, three strikeouts. Um, he's now 3-0 and in three and zero with an ERA of two ninety five, um, he's in 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 his recent games twenty eight twenty eight strikeouts, six walks. Um, what are you What are you seeing from Jose Barrios? And 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 I, I don't want to get into the whole who would you start in the playoffs between him and Strickland. Oh, I know who I'd start. Yeah, I, I but we could we'll have that discussion <laughs> further on. Is there anything? Oh, I'll ask you this then: Is there anything he could do to change your mind? No. Barrios. It's done no. as far as you're concerned. I, yeah, absolutely. I, I think adding and subtracting and locating with the kitchen sink and being able to get lefties out with the devastating changeup, which is a weapon for strip. Uh, Barrios, for me now, because of the mechanical change, is able to go arm side. He's able to go glove side. He's able to, when Danny Jansen or whoever else is catching wants the ball up, he throws it up. If they want it away, he throws it away. If they want it down, he throws it down. His misses are much better because he's more mechanically sound. He has more confidence, which means that when he needs to make a big pitch, is was exactly what we needed to see him do, he can do it because all those things I just mentioned. So I would rather have him on the, you know, waiting like in the pen, or I know he hasn't done that before, but it'll be interesting to see how they work that. Say they win the first game of the playoff series. Do you start your third best pitcher in game two or wait to the elimination game and have both of those ready? That's an intriguing question to ask and something that I think they'll have to work out because I know what I'd rather have. I'd rather have in game three one of my best two pitchers available this is saying this is only saying down the stretch the last five or six games that you can maneuver and figure out your and give guys days off and make sure that you have the guys lined up the way you want them lined up if perfect scenario which way would you use them jeff that's the question for me that you'd have to ask yourself does a guy's track record against the team if it's good does that make you want to use him earlier in the series or later in the series and in particular i'm talking about a guy like kevin gossman right whose track record against Tampa Bay is pretty good. I believe uh, he, had, he had a scoreless innings run against him that, until the last start. It wasn't great, Kevin Gossman. We know that. But does that have any impact on what even, your decision is? Even there? more reason to, for me anyway, you might want to keep him. In, unless you win game one with Manoa. I think we can all agree that if perfect scenario, Manoa is game one starter. 
no yeah. matter what team they face. That's just me. I mean, they could change their mind, and it's go. They go on gut. They go on feel. They go on like you mentioned. This guy's better against this team because of bat path and the split finger, and now the slider he can throw more, and the ninety-seven plays a little bit more up. I just think it's me against you, and I want Manoa. The interesting game is if they win it or if they lose it. I mean, obviously, if they lose it, uh, uh, Gosman would pitch game two. But what if they win game one? I mean, then then if yep. then if you use the two guys, you don't have to use uh, you you would be able to use Gosman in game one of the next series, which is a big deal, right? You're not going to have the many days off. Mm-hmm. You'll have to mm-hmm. have some of your better guys. But again, I'm I'm overthinking this. But this is thought process of how you're going to use these guys, and it's just it's a it's a feather in their cap to be able to have four dudes that you can throw in a hat. And I don't think if you picked any four of one of the names, you could go wrong with any four. How about that? Yeah, and boy, when you look at uh, at what has happened to this team, if you'd said at the start of the year that Yusei Kikuchi would essentially be useless and that Hyunjin Ryu would be hurt, and you'd have you would have four four pitchers that you would be okay with, uh, I, there a lot of people would not have would not have bought into that. And um, I wouldn't. And and again, I get I get back to this: what this series win has done, and what the previous series win in Baltimore has done is barring something unforeseen, making that final three-game series in Baltimore irrelevant irrelevant insofar as the Jays' ability to make the playoffs and irrelevant insofar as the Orioles' chances of making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And that should, if you're John Schneider, give you some options. And it may be, Kevin, with the rotation – it may be that John just plays it, just want to win as many games as I can so that I go into the postseason feeling good about myself, feeling good about my team. I don't want to get cute trying to play this game over this game, looking ahead to what matchup I may get. I, I think you just you just go. You just go as if you want to win every game, and then you see you see where you are. Yeah, they may have to. I mean, all the three teams are about the same kind of team, and it's going to, for me anyway, home field advantage and who's hosting the wild card game is all going to come down to probably that last series of the season. And you're going to need your best guys throwing when it matters the most. I'm with you. You you pitch them till you can't pitch them anymore, and then when the playoffs start, you worry about that then. The triple play today. Um, Stupid. Okay. <laughs> this is this – is, there you go. Fish. Um well, that's why uh, George in Toronto, uh, in, in addition to wondering why Garcia was brought in with a three-run lead yesterday and eliminating him for today, I mean, my answer to that would be it's a bullpen day, and you don't get cute when you have a bullpen day. But he wanted to ask you about the triple play today. Uh, he says, I can understand why Vlad was caught, but did Bo have a brain fart, to Wait, use your term? Explain no, it to me. Both. both. The ball, the ball is it's a, it's a loop and liner. To the shortstop. Why is Vladdy taking three or four steps off the second base to go to third? Where are you going, dude? Like, station the station, man. And there's no excuse for Bo getting picked off a line drive that's right in front of you. Where are you going? Like, you're, you're not – you're going mm-hmm. to second base. You're not going first to third on that ball because that's basically hit right at the left fielder. Base running at the big league level, because I know how much baseball you watch. I know how much baseball I watch. If you're a fan of baseball, watch – a lot of games. The base running at the at the big league level is atrocious. Like there is no excuse for that. I I, I wish I could come on here and and make up an excuse for Vladdy and but there is none. 
Line drives, freeze, when in doubt, go back. Don't go forward. It's real simple. When a line drive is hit towards the infield that an infielder can catch, baseball 101, freeze, station to station. It's real simple. There is no C answer. It's A and B. I just love I, – I, I, I'm glad we got that question in the text line because I know that you – that's a particular bugaboo of yours, isn't it, is, is the – Championship teams the run the bases all the time the right way. There is no excuse. You're not trying to score from second on a line drive that the shortstop can catch. You ain't. Sorry. There you go. That was a mini rant. Was Bigger it? bases will make it easier. Oh, yeah, of next course. Year. Bigger bases. I'll be four and a half inches closer to screwing up. <laughs> uh, I love it. I love it. Um, 5 4 of the Blue Jays losing to the Baltimore Orioles. And uh, as a result, missing any chance to sweep the Orioles. They still take the series, they've still got a comfortable lead uh, over the Orioles in the wild card race. They got tomorrow off, and then it's a couple of games in Philadelphia, and then it's on to Tampa to take on the Rays. And uh, and as 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 we said, they come back home. You got the Yankees. Could see history made with the Yankees coming here. Maybe get to see the Jays clinch a playoff spot, if not necessarily knowing what that playoff spot is 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 going to be. But you've got to feel really good, I think, on balance after this homestand with where the Blue Jays are. They seem to have. They seem to have stuff lined up. If they can get Alejandro Kirk back and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. back, that will uh, just strengthen. That will just strengthen the hand of John Schneider as uh, as the Jays continue their push the postseason through these final two weeks of the regular season. So again, five four, the Orioles scoring three runs in the ninth inning to win. Thanks for listening to Blue Jays Baseball, served up by the always game-ready Jack Link's Meat Snacks. Feed your wild side, baseball fans.